Greetings, greetings, once again, to all my enemies and all my friends. That's right, it's the Weekly Worldview, and I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Welcome back. It's the show where we don't take calls, we don't tolerate sponsors. But we do help focus you on the news of the week. And for the news of the week, we're going to go back to January, February. I don't. I didn't watch the Super Bowl, so I don't remember when it was. I just remember it was momentous, and it was a really big deal at the time. Uh, but we don't consume such here at the McBurney Compound. But I want to go into the rah-rah file to report on the all-female team of pilots that conducted the Super Bowl flyover this year. For the first time in history, it was all girls. And the crowd roared, rah, rah, rah. That's right. Now, there had been a, a group of 15 service members. Service members? This is Fox News. So politically correct. They could have said pilots. We assume they're pilots. Hopefully they're pilots. There were 15 pilots. What was The original lineup was 15 pilots. Three of them were women. But uh, just shortly before the Super Bowl game, the, the men were told that they were no longer needed. They were abruptly dismissed from the Super Bowl flyover team. And they were replaced by all girls. Why? Well, so that we could all go rah-rah and feel great. I had to get it on an airplane, and I, as I was boarding the aircraft, I was thinking about the aircraft that have been bumping into each other and almost hitting each other and almost crashing into each other when they come in for a landing, and I was thanking heaven that the Federal Department of Transportation has very little to do, at least on a day-to-day basis with actual transportation because if they did we would all be terrified all the time because it's a bunch of criminally insane sex maniac bureaucrats which are the worst kind uh, acting like they have something to do with transportation and and they do have something to do with it as you can tell because planes are starting to bump into each other and almost crash into each other and but if they had a lot to do with the day-to-day operations, planes would already be falling out of the sky, and I'd be, I'd be, I would be too afraid to get on an airplane, frankly. Uh, if if uh, if Pete Buttigieg actually had anything to do with anything significant to do with air transportation, but I, I was so pleased when after the lisping male stewardess did his bit about my my seatbelt and whatnot. And lisped so hard through the whole thing. It was, it was disgusting. Anyway, I was pleased when my pilot announced that his wife and his child were aboard the plane. That very aircraft. And he said it in a very appropriately masculine baritone voice. And I was thanking heaven that there are still normal men with normal wives, normal children, flying aircraft normally. Meaning not bumping into other aircraft and other other things. So, You know, what was surprising is the number of people in the airport who are still wearing the face mask. 
it appears, and, 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 and now that I think about it, this it's a little bit more than the grocery store, but not much more. I would say 10% of the people, they never come back. They're gone. They're gone for good with the face mask. They can't go out without feeling unclean unless they, uh, yeah, well. Anyway, it's a dim new world. It's a dim new world for them because they'll be hypoxic, at least more than they used to be. And it's a dim new world for us because listen to this with the post-millennial reports about Kindle. Are you familiar with Kindle? He said to his extremely attractive audio engineer. It's, it's the, the, yep, the Amazon electronic book. Uh-huh. Well, readers who own digital copies of various books on their Kindle devices are expressing their dismay that their books are being automatically updated with new censored versions revised to be more politically correct. Uh-huh. The, 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 the uh, one user, one reader, shared with the post-millennial that her Kindle had updated to the newly released censored version of a particular book which switched phrases like mothers and fathers to gender-neutral parents. <laughs> right there in her book. <laughs> so I think it's a misnomer, as the post-millennial reports here, the opening sentence says, readers who own digital copies of books. Well, I don't think you actually own it if it can be edited on you in real time. Mm -hmm. Then that's not your book. That's somebody else's book. And that's not your mind. That's somebody else's. Uh. Anyway, how creepy is that? Anyway, I buy hardbound regular old paper books. I know it's clunky and but you know you need storage space and all that like and I mean not megabytes but shelves. But still, are we going to come to a point where life is being edited in real time? I I'm, I'm worried that that's where we're headed at least for the kiddos. I won't go there because I won't be around long enough to uh to see the full dimness of the dim new world, but uh, it's looking pretty dim out there. Uh, speaking of that, let's go to the death penalty file where the mayor of College Park, Maryland, the mayor of College Park, Maryland has been arrested for possessing and distributing child pornography. Uh -huh. Mayor Patrick Wojohn was arrested last Thursday. He's facing 56 charges uh, uh, related to child pornography, 56 charges. Uh, none of the charges are yet linked to the mayor's mentor, Pete Bootedge Edge, the, the aforementioned Pete Bootedge Edge, who uh, took pictures with the guy and uh, went on went on uh, long bike rides with the guy. Anyway, this guy's particular crimes have not yet been connected to Pete Bootedge Edge, but it is still early in the investigation. And we will see what happens. Uh, oh, oh, the I got this story from dailyfetched.com. And they say Democrat mayor, Democrat mayor, Democrat mayor. As if that, if this has, as if the Democrat is, I mean, really? What, what does it matter what he is? He's a felonious criminal who should be tried. And if convicted, he should be executed. It's not always all about Democrat versus Republican, except that it always is, I guess. 
The fact that you have Democrats and you have Republicans means that for for some people, for most people, that's what it's always about. It's always about Democrat, uh, Republican. Anyway, uh, from there we go into the tough love file. We go for some tough love to a Christian school in Vermont. That's very encouraging right there, that there's still a Christian school in Vermont. And it doesn't say the Christian school in Vermont. It says a Christian school, indicating that there might be more than one, which is somewhat encouraging. A Christian school in Vermont forfeited a basketball playoff game last week to avoid competing against a tranny, uh, or what they call here a transgender girl, which means a boy. By the way, here at the Weekly Worldview, our official vernacular, when we say tranny, we mean a boy acting like a girl. And unless it's and if it goes the other way around, probably call them something else. But there aren't that many of those. But there are there are more and more. So anyway, uh, the Christian school in Vermont did not want to compete against the very confused, sick uh, boy who's dressing up like a girl and, and then wants to play basketball against girls, which is sad. The school withdrew from the tournament saying that allowing a boy to play as a girl jeopardizes safety. Okay, well, I suppose that's true. It jeopardizes safety, but it's a Christian college, so you would think they would have taken this opportunity to witness for Jesus Christ being a Christian school. Not not that I want to put any pressure on them, but they have his name in in the description of their school, so they could mention him once in a while, is all I'm saying. They could say that we're forfeiting this game for the good of this boy. He needs to be shown his error, and he needs to understand that there's hope and forgiveness in Jesus Christ, and we feel terrible for him, but we're not going to encourage his, his sick behavior. That's all. But instead, they just said it's for the sake. They don't want any of the girls to get hurt, I guess. And that, that could be up there in the top three or four reasons. But the number one reason... Should be because we're a Christian school. Christ is in our name. Anyway. All right. Now, speaking of Jesus Christ, we go to the real religion file where we're going to check in with a pastor in Calgary, Canada. eh? Pastor Derek Reamer was forcibly removed from an all-ages drag event at the public library in Calgary, Canada. Yeah. He got removed because he was protesting. Oh, okay. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a video. I'll link to it. Reamer and a group of protesters from a group called Exposing Darkness appear in the video to be assaulted at the hands of the drag show participants and proponents. And, well, I'll let you watch the video. He doesn't appear to be assaulted. He's actually assaulted and physically thrown out of the room. The people shoving him can be heard saying that they do not want the children exposed to the pastor's words against the drag queen story hour. Wow. Well, way to go, Pastor Derek Reamer. Right now, it should be police and not pastors who are kicking in the doors of drag shows. But the police don't know what to do. 
So this pastor showed them what to do. So the pastor goes in to show the police what to do with Drag Queen Story Hour, and the police arrest him. When the police should be arresting the people molesting the kids, but nobody... It's, it's upside down and backwards. Canada has... Well, I shouldn't just say Canada. Western civilization has d- collapsed, devolved and collapsed almost overnight into a criminally insane, sex pervert, tyrannical dictatorship. And... Pastor Derek Reamer is just trying to call attention to that fact, and now he's in jail, and that's great. There's no better place to be when there's a drag queen story hour in your town. There's no better place to be than in jail for having tried to stop it. No better place to be. All right. And I'm sure the pastor agrees, because people who do that type of thing, they generally know that they're going to end up in jail for it. And they do it anyways, because what are you going to do? Are you just going to allow this all to happen without saying anything? Well, I think that's most people. Most people are just going to allow it all to come down, man, without without saying anything. Well, I'm glad there's a few people out there willing to uh, push back. Uh, and, and still there up, up in Canada. All right. Now, to the justice file. And this is some really... Interesting and depressing news. In 2021, only about half of all homicides were solved. And that's according to the official FBI statistics. And I did not know this, but the the established rate of of solving murders is only about 70%, which is pretty embarrassing. Thomas Hargrove, founder of the Murder Accountability Project, suggests that the reason for the low clearance rate of homicides is simple. He says there aren't enough people to solve the murders. To which I would say, well, what about the fact that there's so many murders? I mean, if there's not enough people to solve the murders, doesn't that indicate that there's too many murders? Like... Way too much? We can't even solve half of them? Anyway, he says there's inadequate resources, not enough homicide detectives, not enough trained detectives, not enough forensic technicians, not enough laboratory capacity. Well, listen here, buddy. We wouldn't need all that if the government would just execute convicted murderers quickly and painfully and publicly. And then the murder rate would drop to where we would have more than enough Resources, detectives, forensic technicians. In fact, we could we could have less detectives and less forensic technicians and less criminalists, and fewer judges, fewer lawyers, and all. You know, we what we need to do is we need to apply some supply side economic theories to criminal justice. Yes, attack the problem, not on the demand side. Attack it from the supply side.
I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Welcome back. Thank you for sticking with us, ladies and gentlemen. We come out of the supply side murder file. Uh, in, back into the death penalty file. When was the last time we were in the... We were just in the death penalty file. Oh, yeah, that was for the child molester. Yes, that's right. Makes sense now. So, uh, deeper into the death penalty file, two brothers are accused of stabbing a man to death in broad daylight. Dionisio Figueroa and his older brother Carlos. Dionisio and Carlos Figueroa. They're charged with stabbing to death 39, a 39-year-old day laborer outside a small-town strip mall frequented by men who are looking for odd jobs. Miguel Aguirre died of a stab wound after an argument with the two brothers. So it was two on one and they stabbed him. Investigators say that Aguirre didn't know his attackers, but Aguirre's family insists that, in fact, he did know them. In fact, his cousin Selena says the victim... The victim knew the Figueroa brothers because the Figueroa brothers regularly tried to take money from the day laborers. They would harass the day laborers for their pittance. And uh, she claims her cousin, Manuel, was uh, bothered by the men on several occasions. That recently he had stood up for a, a young man who they were harassing. She believes they targeted her cousin in retaliation for him standing up for the other dirt poor day laborers who you you every every town has one of these places right it's where the it's where the day laborers hang out and you can go and you can pick up a few of them and you pay them a pittance and they break their back all day and that's what these these this Manuel Aguirre and the others were hanging out looking to go do work for money and the, the this these uh, the Figueroa brothers, boy, I'll tell you what, special place in hell for low lifes like this. And and why do I do this story? This is just broad daylight in small town America, circa twenty twenty three. The young and the lazy who don't want to work, uh, feed on, attack, and and even murder those who do. And the, the perpetrators here, the two brothers who stabbed the one guy, two-on-one stabbing, the perpetrators will not face the death penalty. In fact, if we could follow this story, and we won't be able to because there will be an avalanche of other murder stories between now and the time this story is adjudicated, there will literally be hundreds and hundreds and thousands of other murders that, that capture our attention. So it's you lose track of them. There's so many. So we'll lose track of Manuel Aguirre. And we won't know what happened to these two guys, the Figueroa brothers. But I will assert, I will predict, that they will be allowed to plead down to something other than what they face right now. Right now, they face a potential 25 years to life sentence. That's what they face right now. They will be allowed to plead that down to something less than that. And one or both of these brothers will likely be out of prison in less than 10 years. For, stab for a two-on-one stabbing a guy to death. For murder.
less than 10 years. And so the two death penalties that these two brothers should have gotten, those two death penalties will be multiplied, redirected, and imposed on other innocent people in some small town in America somewhere. The death penalty always takes place. It's either judiciously and righteously imposed upon the murderer, or it is redirected, multiplied, and rained down upon the innocent elsewhere. And that's what will happen here, and the statistics bear that out. And if we're somehow able to keep up with the story, the statistics in this story will bear that out as well. And it's a shame. And God hates it. God hates the shedding of innocent blood, and he hates allowing people who should be executed to live. And uh, I'm, I'm upset about it. It's a small-town America. Shocking. Okay. And here's even, even more. Now, this is Seattle. This is the big city, so it's not quite as surprising. But this is from the Just a System file. William Tolliver was shooting at rival gang members when he randomly hit bystanders in downtown Seattle. And so he's now set to be released from jail while awaiting trial. He's, what's, what's he awaiting trial for? He's charged with murder in the first degree and six counts of assault in the first degree. And they're going to let him bail out of jail before the trial. Unbelievable. Prosecutors are concerned by Tolliver's pattern of behavior. He has a history of violating court orders and illegally possessing guns. I know. It's just shocking and bewildering. How is this guy walking the streets? How is he able to find himself in a position to randomly shoot anyone? But there you have it. Um, and let's see, uh, well, last we heard, and, and I was not able to find any update, he was going to be released, and apparently was, and he's out on bail now. It's, uh, it's just a system, and, you know, I'm sure somebody's making a decent living in it, but is that really what it's about? It seems like that's, that's really what it's about. Certainly not anything even remotely resembling justice. If you can just randomly shoot downtown and kill some people and wound some people and make bail. Okay. It's no wonder people are fleeing Seattle for their lives. That's, that's not hyperbole. If you're running out of downtown Seattle, there's a better than even chance you're actually fleeing for your life at that moment. Okay, from there, let's go for a little bit of relief, perhaps, to the science, really, file, where for a generation, now the American Academy of Pediatrics has set a policy that medications help children with ADHD focus their thoughts better and ignore distractions. In the view of the Academy, 
as well as multiple other expert consortiums, the most appropriate way to treat what they call the lifelong impairing condition of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. They say it's a lifelong condition. The best way to treat it is by taking stimulant medications on a daily basis. Wow. So you have a lifelong you have a lifelong condition, and the best way to treat it is to take amphetamines on a daily basis or other stimulants. Okay, so there we have that. That's the science. That's the uh, science. That's directly from the scientists, who, of course, we all know are experts. So... Uh, the 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 geniuses at the uh, at the American Academy of Pediatrics they compare daily uh, doses of amphetamines to other types of medical age aids such as eyeglasses. So yeah, mom, it's your kid. You, he, he might need eyeglasses. He might need amphetamines. You know, pretty much the same. We're just trying to help with his condition. And the, the scientists and the experts and the keepers of wisdom, the keepers of all wisdom there at the academy, tell us there are studies. They've got piles of studies, reams of studies that support the efficacy and safety of these stimulant medications given to kids. And uh, they're, not, they're not addictive. They're effective. Uh, we've got studies that prove it. Peer-reviewed studies by Ph.D. researchers. We went to college. You ignorant rubes out there with your misbehaving children. We know how to help. Get them some glasses for their eyes and get them some amphetamines for their attention problems. Anyway, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends stimulant drugs, daily stimulant drugs, as the first-line treatment for what they allege as attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which did not exist before 1980. Well, at least it, it didn't exist in the literature. It didn't exist in the hearts and minds of Americans. Nobody knew what it was. ADHD is now the most common childhood disorder in the Western world, and rates are skyrocketing. That's right. 3%, right? The researchers estimated about 3% of adolescents suffered from ADHD when they first made it up back in the night. Oh, did I say make it up? I'm sorry. When it was first diagnosed in 1980, they estimated about 3%. In 2014, 20% of 12-year-old boys have been diagnosed with this lifelong condition for which they happen to have some pills <laughs> that you can take every day for the rest of your life. You know, like wearing glasses. Hundreds of millions of children are eligible now for this diagnosis. This is according to brownstone.org. And most of them, about 80%, <clears throat> about 80% of the kids diagnosed with ADHD, they will be prescribed Ritalin, Concerta, Adderall, or Vivance. These are uh, some of the top best-selling medications for children. These are the top, this is the, uh, the America's top 40, you know, the... The top 10, there's probably 40 of them. These are just the top four. 
But brownstone.org asks, what if the scientists, what if the scientific consensus is wrong? Stimulant medications are powerful psychoactive substances which affect the central nervous system. So maybe this shouldn't be the first line medication for a teenager who doesn't seem to be able to pay attention. I mean, I appreciate this article from brownstone.org. But if you if you listen to as I read through this article and you don't realize that this is insanity, drugging your children rather than Did I say it last week already with the drugs? Did I already say last week? If if I did, I'm going to say it again. If you've got problems with your children's behavior, don't choose the psychopharmaceutical solution. Choose the training, discipline, and punishment method. While usually passing by just around 11 o'clock And if you let me cool you one time you be my regular style All right, boys! Worldview. I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Thank you, boys. That's that's uh, that's appropriate. What with the the medications and the it's very disturbing, very disturbing. And and uh, when you drug your child starting at twelve, it it becomes very difficult at 16 or 17 to tell them there are other drugs they shouldn't use. <laughs> right? I mean, how are you supposed to make that argument, mom and dad, that you you don't want them smoking weed or taking fentanyl or smoking crack or what? Anyway, just don't set yourself up for that debate. Again, choose the training, discipline, and punishment pathway. Rather than the psychopharmacological neural interface. And you'll do much better. Because otherwise you're going to screw your kid's brain up. And your kid's going to end up depressed. And well let's just go to this. Let's just go to this story from the long lost love file. Anthony Ciccone. The brother of Madonna. Died last week at the age of 66. In 2013, Anthony Ciccone was living in Traverse City, Michigan, and he was homeless, and he gave an interview, and he said, what did he say of Madonna, his sister? He said, quote, I never loved her. She never loved me. We never loved each other. My father would be very happy if I died. 
He doesn't want me to be me. He wants me to be somebody else. Unquote. Asked about his relationship with the family, Ciccone said, quote, when the chips fell, I had no family backup, unquote. Asked about the solutions to his problems, Anthony Ciccone, the, the brother of Madonna, said, quote, they asked him, what, what's the solution to your problem? He said, quote, I need love, unquote. It's all, all very true. All of the statements that this poor fellow made in this interview uh, as a homeless street person were absolutely true. They never loved each other. His father, I, there's, no, there's no doubt if you're a drug-addicted loser on the street, there's no doubt your father wishes you to be someone else. He doesn't want you to be you because it breaks his heart. And a poor Anthony Ciccone, um, I, I'm going to assume was raised in a godless home. I'm just going to assume that because that's generally the rule. And I know his sister wears the cross. She wears a lot of crosses. But I'm, let me just say I don't think she's religious and certainly not a follower of the living God and his son, Jesus Christ. She's not. None of them were. And this is what you end up with. You don't know how to love each other. And so if you don't know how to love each other, you end up hating each other. And you end up destroying each other and destroying yourselves. And that's what happened to the Ciccone family. And that's why poor uh, Anthony died. You know what Anthony needed? He needed love. But nobody in his family knew how to do that. Because if you separate yourself from the source of love, which is the creator, God, and his son, if you separate yourself from that long enough, you don't know how to do it anymore. And you can make all the money in the world. And it doesn't matter. Uh, your brother ends up dying a homeless bum in the streets and you end up looking like some kind of circus freak show trying to somehow hang on to your youth. And it's all because you just didn't get any love. And it's what we what we all need is love. Love is to have someone who actually cares about your good with no interest in their own. Uh, no interest of their own. Just they care if the, that you do well and be well. And uh, Anthony Ciccone didn't get it. And uh, his sister didn't get it. And it's very sad. They probably had all kinds of psychopharmacological intervention. In fact, part of this article from the Western Journal talks about how Madonna supported her brother every time he went into rehab. Every time he went in for a, a psychopharmacological intervention to take the place of what his family couldn't give him, which was love, she supported him. She probably wrote the check for the whole rehab. She was probably willing to pay the whole bill. Every time. Every time he went in and then he came out and then he failed and he had the street and he'd go back in and she'd write a check and that just didn't work. Because, as the Beatles said, can't buy me love. Very sad story. Very sad.
All right. So from there, uh, do I want to go to uh, the bad, dumb lawyer's file? Midland, Texas. What's going on in Midland? Well, a North Dakota pharmacy has joined a lawsuit challenging Biden's attempt to require pharmacists to dispense abortion pills. Now, I, I had to say that the way I had to say it because this was actually written by lawyers at the Alliance Defending Freedom. And they say that the North Dakota pharmacy has joined a lawsuit challenging the Biden administration's attempt to require pharmacies that receive federal funding to dispense abortion-inducing drugs. But it's Biden forcing pharmacists to, to dispense abortion pills. Poison abortion pills is what it is. And uh, this North Dakota pharmacy is run by a Catholic pharmacist, Kevin Martian. Catholic pharmacist named Kevin says he doesn't want to dispense the pills. And the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. <laughs> okay, so can we stop right there? Well, no, there, there's a couple more. The, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services issued a mandate. Okay, so first of all, what are human services? Hmm. Could someone define that for me? Why do we have a department of it? I mean, I think I know what health is. But what are human services? <laughs> I think we've already defined that here on the Weekly Worldview, and we may be the only show that's ever defined it properly. Human services are the socialist government services intended to replace love. Those are human services. So when you have a godless socialist system, then you no longer have love. You have human services. And they're packaged and dispensed by the overlords, which at this point in history is a mob of criminally insane sex perverts who are now in charge of dispensing human services to those of you who, who rely on that type of thing, which apparently are all the pharmacies. Why? Oh, because of Medicare and Medicaid. Those are socialist in insurance rackets, right? Socialist insurance schemes designed to replace the family and love. See, it used to be when grandma got sick, the family loved grandma and they would pay to take care of her as much as they could. But now we instead we get we subscribe to human services and Medicare pays for grandma so that we don't have to love her. And so this so what do we end up with when we when we offshore love? Well, you end up getting human services from people who prefer to just kill the people consuming all these expensive human services. And now that they're telling the pharmacist you have to issue, um, instead of medicine, uh, poison to kill people. Well, why? Because, well, we need some people killed. And by the way, uh, you subscribe to the human services, sir. Sit down and shut up and hand out your pills. So this pharmacist doesn't stand up and say, you know what? I'm willing to stop with the Medicaid and the Medicare money. How about that? Because then he could stop handing out the poison pills. But he's not ready for that. But maybe he will be. In fact, I want to call on uh, this pharmacist, Mar Martian, uh, Kevin Martian. Kevin, get off the, get off the, 
the subscription to the human services. And you won't have to hand out the poison pills. You don't have to hire a bunch of lawyers. Just, just opt out. Anyway, here's what the Alliance Defending Freedoms, uh, the Alliance Defending Freedom, who brought the lawsuit, here's what they have to say. Unelected bureaucrats shouldn't be forcing Americans to dispense abortion-inducing drugs against their conscience. So, yeah, well, first of all, not, they're not forcing anyone. Because if you, and I already made that clear. But second of all, um, even the elected bureaucrats shouldn't be asking doctors to hand out poison pills that kill people. Whether you're elected, unelected, whether you're not even popular, whether you're really popular. Whether you're as big as Madonna, you shouldn't be telling people to hand out pills that kill babies for crying out loud. And against their conscience, well, I, whether it's against their conscience or not doesn't matter. You shouldn't kill people. And you, you sh it, it, your conscience has nothing to do with it. Anyway, so even, even the lawyers who are supposedly on our side, <laughs> this is a lawsuit that the conservatives are like, rah, rah, stand up, fight the man, fight Biden. Anyway, folks, it's good to fight Biden. But can't we learn to fight over the right principles? Because principles matter more than fighting Biden. Uh-huh. The prohibition of poisoning innocent children to death cannot be established upon anyone's political status, electoral status, anyone's conscience. No. And the Alliance Defending Freedom's lawyers telling this pharmacist and the courts that it can be are wrong. And I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Thank you for tuning in this week. So we go from the state of Texas versus Javier Becerra. He's the health and human services czar. Javier Becerra is the, the issuer. What would you call him? He's the author of human services. The dispenser of America's replacement for love. And that takes us right to the bad government file where it just gets worse and worse. Not to be depressing, but Senator J.D. Vance, R. of Ohio, that's a Republican, he's calling for a paycheck protection program style plan to help workers affected by the East Palestine train derailment. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And, 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 and his call for a PPP is is being viewed skeptically by Senate Republicans as they think about the best way to deliver aid to the community there in East Palestine. Why? Because the Republicans fall all over each other and can't get in line fast enough to fork out other people's money 
for political gain. That's all. You know, this reminds me of the Newsweek cover from 2009 when Barack Obama, for the first time, passed a, a budget resolution so enormously huge that, that people were having heart attacks. I remember. I think that was the first time we ever heard the word trillion. T 2000, right after Barry was elected. In the, in the February round of 09 when he passed his big uh, socialist, there was, a, there was a headline in uh, uh, Newsweek, I think back when Newsweek existed, and it said, we are all socialists now. Because the, and they documented how we went from George W. Bush issuing I for, some astronomical number of hundreds of trillions of dollars in order to save the free market, we went right to Obama, who came close to a trillion. I don't remember if we went over a trillion. I don't know if we were counting in trillions back then. But George W. Bush and then Barack Hussein Obama, back-to-back, -back, issued the most massive spending, just enormous. And Newsweek documented said, we are all socialists now. And one of the few times that Newsweek was correct and accurate in their reporting. And now, <clears throat> uh, more than a decade later, J.D. Vance, who's the, he's the, he's the conservative's great white hope, right? He's the guy who won in Ohio because he's so conservative. He wants to initiate a, a paycheck protection program. <laughs> uh, anyways, we are all, oh no, you know what? They are all socialists now. I'm not participating. I had, a, I had a lady at the airport trying to recruit me to get uh, the employment retention credit. So she's telling me, did you, did you have employees during COVID? Yes. Did you continue to pay them? Yes, I did. Did you know you're eligible for some slush fund? Anyway, I was nice enough to the lady. No, she didn't want to just give it to me because then she found out I didn't have enough employees. And she said, well, you know what? You can sign up and you can go and you can sell this to people. Yeah. And I'm thinking, wow, there's like a cottage industry. And now now even private citizens can go and dole out government welfare. Well, it's a tax credit, you see, and you deserve the money because why? Well, <laughs> because the people giving it away say you deserve it. Folks, I got to tell you, you got to be very careful when the people who've stolen other people's money tell you that you have a legitimate claim to the money they stole. Just don't get involved in that, okay? That's not going to be good for you long term. All right. Now, uh, the person had filed a Miami judge. A Miami judge has declined to block Florida's 15-week abortion ban. All right. Now, we got to stop and just try to read this. Obviously, lawyers are writing this. Lawyers and urinalists, a, Mi a Miami judge has declined to block Florida's 15-week abortion ban. What, what does that mean? That means Florida's 15-week abortion ban is going to be allowed to continue. Why? Because it doesn't actually ban abortions, and so it's okay. Yeah, so, and now, so there was a lawsuit brought by some clergymen. Uh-huh. Clergy. Uh, three rabbis, a Unitarian Universalist minister, an Episcopal Church priest, a Buddhist lama, 
and the United Church of Christ Reverend, they filed lawsuits claiming that the 15-week abortion ban violates their rights to freedom of speech and the freedom of religion. So when I first read that, I thought, are these ministers filing a lawsuit because they're upset that the, the state is going to allow 14-week-old children to be killed? Is that what was... But that's not it. These are pro-abort uh, clergy who want... They, 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 they just want to be able to kill all the babies, as many babies as possible. Which, by the way, is just as bad as wanting to kill one. Just for one special, you know, situation. That, so it's all the same. Because these are murderers. Anyway, under Florida, uh, these, these uh, clergy had claimed that under Florida's aiding and abetting law, the clergy commit the crime of aiding and abetting by, consulting, by counseling in favor of uh, killing your child, which apparently these ministers do, which is about right. When Governor DeSantis signed the 15-week abortion ban in April of 22, he called it a great piece of legislation which represents the most significant protections for life in the state's modern history, said uh, uh, lawyer, poser, um, Ron DeSantis. Uh, why, why was this bill allowed to uh, uh, be passed into law by the Republicans? Is because it doesn't actually stop abortions, especially if they need one. And so they do it because they, they raise money from the gullible evangelicals and the so-called pro-lifers out there who want res reasonable restrictions on abortion. Of course, that means I want to stop someone, but not necessarily me or someone I might know, who, but, but someone needs to be stopped. So let's pass a law that stops some of those people. That way I can feel better about myself. Say I'm pro-life. But what they actually have done here is just moved more of the child killing out of the operating room and into the pharmacy. That's all they've done. All right, so let's go now into the geopolitical, the second front. The White House last week ordered the removal of TikTok from all government devices within 30 days. And then they came out and said, you know what? Some people were going to give 60 days and others are going to have 90. But by golly, by 120 days, TikTok better be gone off of all. Depending on where you work and which nipple of the government you are attached to and sucking on will determine how fast you have to delete TikTok off of your devices. And so I only mention this because... Since World War II, the military doctrine of the United States military has been that we must at all times be prepared to fight and win a two-front war. Where did that doctrine come from? Well, it's, it's as simple as militaries always tend to fight the last war. And the last good war we had, I mean, that we won, was World War II, and we successfully fought. And achieved victory in two fronts, one in Europe and one in Asia. And so because of that, the military-industrial complex saw a never-ending gravy train by assuming we always have to be ready for that. And they've been riding that gravy train for 70 years. And now it appears that Joe Biden is going to test it. <laughs> 
it appears Joe Biden is going to put it to a test of reality, whether intentionally or unintentionally. I mean, why, if you're poking the bear in the eye, why do you want to reach over and poke the tiger at the same time? It just strikes me as odd. Because I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy. Um, I mean, maybe bigger than I used to be, but um, it just seems like somebody is hell-bent on on getting into World War III. It just seems like that. And I don't think Joe Biden is smart enough or aware enough to be that guy, but whoever that guy is, he needs to be stopped. Or or is it his mom? Or is it his mother-in-law? That's a... That one is a bit. All right. Now, meanwhile, reason number 2020 to get or keep your children out of the government schools. A teacher in Irvine, California, a 37-year-old resident of Santa Ana, placed recording devices in an all-gender restroom. What's, what's an all-gender restroom in a high school? Does that mean all genders can be in there at all times? Or is it like... Some of those businesses, they're just too small and they only have one bathroom. And so one gender at a time can go in. Or how does it work in high school? In California, it probably means they always want at least one person of the opposite sex. They, they always want at least two of those in the bathrooms at all times. So naturally, this 37-year-old single video game addict creep who somehow is a teacher... He starts filming the all-gender... So there you go, folks. Reason number 2020 to get or keep your children out of the government schools. Number one, they might end up in an all-gender restroom with other genders or gender benders. Or the teacher might be shooting videotape of it all while it's happening. Just to add insult to injury. So keep your kids out of the government schools. Flee for your lives. Let's see, this, this pervert creep was arrested at school last Monday, booked into the Orange County Jail on child pornography charges, and no doubt was back on the street for dinner. Because, I mean, it's only what, child pornography. I mean, come on. Do we keep a guy in jail for... I mean, it's not like he robbed a bank, and if he robbed the bank, we would let him out without bail. So, there, reason number 2020. And then finally, ladies and gentlemen, and this is, uh, we'll end with this. This is from the Thousand Years of Darkness file. Uh-huh, A Thousand Years of Darkness. Because I know we're all focused on Russia. We're all focused on Russia because I'm not sure why. I mean, they can barely fight their way into Ukraine. I don't think we have too much to worry about with Russia. As long as we don't try marching on Moscow, because that's proven to be problematic, trust me. As long as we don't march on Moscow, Russia's probably not going to conquer Wisconsin, okay? Um, and, and, of course, we're all worried about China as well. We should be because uh, China is coming to a critical inflection point in their history where they have an awful lot of young men and not a lot of, off, uh, a lot of young women. And those young men are probably going to want to hurt somebody over that. And so we're right to be concerned about those two fronts. But don't forget the Islamists. Iran is 30 seconds away from making a, a nuclear bomb. If they, they say it's 12 days, that means it's like 12 seconds 
forget about it. For all intents and purposes, Iran has the bomb. And listen to what's going on. Um, and th they also have anti-government protests going over the treatment of women, women who've been molested, beaten, raped, and murdered in the custody of the government has caused an opportunity for the people to rise up against the government. And what's happening now is that girls in up to 15 cities have been attacked and affected in what and affected in what are suspected to be mass poisonings. Yeah, mass poisonings. Hardline Islamists are thought to be throwing some type of poisonous gas mixture into the schools in the schoolyards where the girls go to school. And these incidents have been going on since November. Hardline Islamists condemn the idea of women receiving any education. And 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 the and the article here from Zero Hedge tells us this is akin to neighboring Afghanistan. Afghanistan recently banned all girls schooling. So you remember when we left Afghanistan with our tail between our legs and the people falling off the airplanes? Well, now the Taliban has banned all girls from getting any education. Anyway, so it, it's quite possible that the, the setting of Russia against the other Western powers, unintentionally, stupidly, and on purpose, however this happened, this could end up being the thing that unites the, the the tiger and the bear with the Islamists. I mean, the Russians have always been friends with the Islamists. They love selling them oil. But when it when it came time to an existential threat, it was the Russians who exterminated ISIS. So I mean, the Russians are greedy, but they're not crazy. And now they're they're all aligned against us, the crazies, and the and the Russians and the Chinese. And anyway, it's just. Uh, Interesting times. We are living in interesting times. And that's the Weekly Worldview for this week. I want to thank my friends at Real Science Radio. I want to thank you for tuning in. And should the Lord Terry will return next week. And until then, may the grace of God go with you. And may the peace of Jesus Christ be upon you. <laughs>